Welcome to the Academy Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing rich content for the purpose of spiritual growth. I'm your host, Claire McKeever Burgett, and I serve as the Associate Director of the Academy for Spiritual Formation, an international ministry of the Upper Room. The Academy creates transformative space for people to connect with God, self, others, and creation for the sake of the world. In this month's podcast, I sit down with Academy Director Johnny Sears for a conversation on all things spiritual formation, family, poetry, leadership, and life. He and I are what we like to call soul siblings, much more than colleagues, although we're that to each other too. We get to lead the Academy together, and it is truly a gift. A native of Kentucky, Johnny is a graduate of the two-year Academy for Spiritual Formation, a certified Myers-Briggs practitioner, and Circles of Trust facilitator. His personal search for a deeper connection to God carried him on a pilgrimage into the world of contemplative prayer and spiritual formation that eventually led him to leave his job in the corporate world to lead the Academy. Johnny is driven by a deep passion to help people awaken to and embrace the contemplative life for their own transformation, and ultimately for the healing of the world. He lives in Nashville with his wife, Becky, and their two sons, Ian and Asher. We hope you enjoy listening in on our conversation this month, and we hope it might inspire you to sit down with your own colleagues, soul siblings, and loved ones, and do the same. Listen on, beloveds, and enjoy. So I want to open with a poem from Roger Robinson in his book of poetry, A Portable Paradise, which is the winner of the T.S. Eliot Prize. Padraig Otuma, academy faculty and former member of the Mila community in Northern Ireland, shared this poem on his Instagram account recently. And as is our practice, I want us to cushion this poem with some silence, both before and after, and then we'll get into our conversation. The Job of Paradise by Roger Robinson. It is the job of paradise to comfort those who've been left behind, to think that all those loved and lost would live on there like tiny gods. It is the job of mumbled prayers to help you calm your hurts and fears. It is the job of the long black hearse to show we head to death from birth. It is the job of a clean, neat grave to remind us how to live our days. If only I could live my days till death suffice and make earth feel like paradise. Johnny. Hey, Claire. Hey, welcome to the Academy Podcast. Thanks. (laughs) This is actually your brainchild, this podcast, somewhat. We yeah. can get into that yeah. and the origins of it in a minute. Um, but I don't think you've ever officially hosted it. The rest of us kind of took it and ran with it. And this is, is the a, first. is a wonderful thing. So um, as we get started today talking about all these things, spiritual formation and family, the current context in which we find ourselves doing this particular work, poetry, and who knows what else, you know. Right. Um, I'd love for you just to start with telling us who you are, um, why you're here, 
um, what you're about, and that could be in you know a couple words. It could be in several paragraphs, but you know, <laughs> keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me. <laughs> um, but with that, um, what what were the seeds of this podcast, and and how did it come about? So, yeah, it's not exactly my, you know, I need to give credit to a woman named Rachel Kinney, uh, who really dreamed up the specific idea of the podcast. Um, We've had this beautiful archive of recordings uh, of Academy faculty lectures since 1983. Um, So hours upon hours of rich content from spiritual masters. and it was just it's just sitting there and uh so rachel was actually um at a at a ch- at glendale baptist where i go to church and we knew each other from there and she had just finished her her master of divinity at vanderbilt divinity divinity school and um we were just chatting one day and she was kind of looking for something kind of to fill in the gap so i said you know i've got a project if you are interested in kind of being like an intern. And so she came and she spent the summer with us, kind of listening through some of those things, cataloging. And we'd already had them cataloged, but she she cleaned some of that information up and then listened to a bunch of the, the material and tried to kind of tag things and give us a sense of, you know, what was in some of the content and what the sound quality was, different things like that. And then uh, at the end, she kind of made a pitch of saying, look, you know, podcasts are becoming kind of a big thing um this is like she just fell in love with the content she thought i you know i would love access to something like this and so she sort of dreamed this up this um this idea of taking little excerpts from these recordings and wrapping it in you know with some some extra you know reflection or you know, just kind of almost doing lectio with the the mm-hmm. content yeah. in a way, and uh, and making that available to people as kind of a way of planting seeds and and making some of the some of the, at least the content portion of an academy experience accessible to anybody who had access to the internet. Um, and so that's where we started. And she was the original host. Mm-hmm. Did that for a while, um, and then she needed to move on to other things and. Uh, Kristen Vincent took took that on. One of our, uh, she's a former participant and author at Upper Room, uh, so she took it on and and did did it for a little while. And then we kind of had a little bit of a break, and and then you know um, your role here on staff was shifting, and and this was something you had a lot of interest in and tremendous gifts for. This is really you know the dreaming it up might be one thing, but to kind of maintain something like that, it's not my lane. And so, so I was glad when you kind of had a vision for how to, how to make it sustainable and keep it going. And, and, uh, so that's been, that's been a real gift and you've done a wonderful job with it. So thanks. It's fun to get to do it. I was just saying before we hit record that the fact that we get to sit here and talk to each other today for our you know, quote unquote job is kind of a fun thing. <laughs> yes. so we're just going to, I mean, we do it all the time, but we're not usually right. recorded, which is probably a good thing. But. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but let's go back a minute. Um, who who are you? Um, why are you here? Uh, those are, you know, big questions, but yeah. can also be answered however you feel led this morning. Yeah, I feel like who I am is always an evolution um, and a constantly evolving thing. Um. You know, uh, father, husband, uh, friend, 
um, lover of people, I guess, you know, those are the kind of who are you mm. things for me. Um, relationships matter a lot to me. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of why I'm here, um, I, I just, I believe in what the Academy is about. I believe in, um, the importance of spiritual, spiritual formation and the importance of the contemplative life in particular. Um, the, the contemplative spirituality was something I, I was, um, awakened to in my mid to late twenties and, and it was life changing. Mm-hmm. The academy going to the two year academy was a major part of that for me, uh, of of being exposed to and, and awakened to that. Um and so uh, you know, in the world in which we live, um I think the contemplative path has um it is like going back to the roots and getting ourselves firmly grounded in, well, Merton would use the phrase, the ground of our being, um, out of which truth and love and healing can flow. And um, I think we're, we desperately need that to kind of make a collective evolutionary leap to some, toward the beloved community, mm-hmm. you know, and if, if anything, that's that's kind of that's my heart's desire is that we have a society, a world where um, all people, um, all creation is honored and loved and held. Um, you know that image of the beloved community. Uh, that's my heart's desire, and I think the contemplative life is is maybe the the the. It's the best path I know mm-hmm. to help us um, evolve. It's slow, so it takes a lot of patience, mm-hmm. but but it's the best path I know. Yeah, if only I could live my days till death suffice. There you go. And make earth feel like paradise. That's right. How can we learn to be yeah. here now? Yeah. That there is the life. <laughs> the contemplative one. That's right. Bless it. So on that, uh, what are some spiritual practices that are keeping you grounded? Um, and I think the ground of being actually, I mean, that's, but I think it originates with Paul Tillich yeah. um, in his work. And so then, of that's course, probably right, Merton's yeah. hanging out with that. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what is keeping you grounded? What's, what's connecting you to love um, and so that you have the energy to, to kind of keep at it? Um, mm-hmm. Not only the academy, but, but the broader just contemplative life the the journey that that we're on yeah um well a a number of things um relationships are at the core of that you know um i have had a spiritual director since i was 26 or 27 years old Mm -hmm. so going on 20 years now um and that has always been an anchor in terms of a spiritual practice for me you know once a month i'm checking in with somebody who's asking me, you know, how is it with my soul and um, what is my prayer and, you know, and I just talk about what's going on in my life and, and, and uh, you know, have someone help hold that and help me pay attention to where God is at work in my life. And so that has been an anchor um, for me uh, my whole adult life. Um, 
family right now. It's a great source of joy. Always has been, I suppose. But um, but I, I'm just we're at a stage, you know, in our in our life and in our marriage, um, where um, it's just it's a lovely time. It's a challenging time. You know, I've got a 17 year old and an 11 year old, um, and so that brings all its things. But there's um, watching them become watching my boys become kind of themselves um, is a joy. And they're at an age where Becky and I have a little more freedom. And so, um, you know, we can play and date and uh, do things like that, that we've, you know, you know, in earlier stages, maybe kind of where you're at, there's, it takes a little more uh, work to, to have, have that. And so we're enjoying that. Um, this this last summer, I I had the blessing of a sabbatical, mm. which was really it was, it was good timing for me and something that that I really needed. I think I was heading toward burnout in some ways. I, I have a tendency to um, work too much. Um, uh, um, I have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility, and so um, I really focused the sabbatical toward play. Mm-hmm. And embodiment, because I felt like those were muscles I needed to develop, mm-hmm. um, and and from that I have really, it gave me the space to develop practices that are sustaining me now um, in different ways. Um, so, what did play look like? Well, one aspect of play for me is um, uh, driving. Now, um, oh, yeah, I've got. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> About a year and a half ago. So one of the advantages of Ian becoming a a, um, a driver mm-hmm. was that we were looking into kind of, you know, what would he do for a vehicle uh, day in and day out. And it just so happened that uh, Lloyd Allen, who's one of our faculty, was kind of looking to say so he has a little Mazda Miata um, convertible. And, uh, you know, we were talking one day uh, and uh, the idea came up of me buying that. And so... Long story short, I ended up buying that. Ian is now renting or leasing to own our my former daily vehicle, and now I have this little sports car. So I get a few of those kind of uh, midlife crisis jokes, and maybe it is. I don't care. Right. <laughs> Seems pretty normal. To for me. for yeah. me, it is. It is. It has become driving a spiritual practice. I never knew it could be that fun. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I look for curvy roads and particularly sunny days and things like that, right? Put the top down and drive and just be. And it's exhilarating. Great, yeah, yeah. Make sure I have a good playlist and just, you know, helps me kind of uh, connect to the inner child. And that, that has, it's really been a rich, uh, a rich gift for me, yeah. um, helping me find, find joy. It's funny how simple of a thing uh, that is, but, you know, for me, that's, yeah. That's something. Um, yeah. So uh, an, another thing uh, that has become really, really important is just I've, as time has gone on, I've, I've recognized that um, the outdoors and particularly being in the woods, being in nature, uh, really feeds my soul. Mm. And, um, you know, it's something I'll get out and hike and do things like that occasionally. But I've made it a real practice that's that's one of the things that started during my sabbatical um once a week um at minimum i get out and i go and i hike a trail in the woods um 
I live close to Radnor Lake State Park, State Park, um, which is a lovely little space and kind of a wildlife preserve here in the Nashville area. And um, that's usually my that's kind of one of my soul places. And often there are deer, and, um, lots of wildlife there, uh, and it's quiet. Uh, it's just a place where I kind of feel held by Mother Earth, um, and and um, you know, helps me clear my head. It helps me um, be in touch with things that matter. Yeah. So, yeah, that's I was, important. Uh, recently at uh, session seven of Two Year Academy in Alabama, and uh, someone said that they uh, are leading meetings at their church in the woods. Ooh. There you go. So we're talking about spiritual leadership, and, and that was one of the, the topics, and uh, Sister Nancy Shrek was there uh, offering her wisdom uh, as one of our faculty on spiritual leadership. And so anyway, we were kind of sharing, I think, in a session, uh -huh. and uh, he just said, yeah, we begin kind of in the woods, read a poem, maybe a scripture, and then we walk together in quiet. Oh, wow. Wonderful. And then they pause and they kind of talk about, you know, like, what did they notice? You know, so sort of a moving Lexio uh -huh, in some way, uh -huh. you know, and and then they keep walking and that that then I mean, so they do that together long before they talk about the programming. Yeah. You know, or the and it reminded me of, you know, because I know some of this about your sabbatical and about your practices yeah. right now and everything. And so I just thought that's a really lovely Oh, lovely, lovely thing. Com it will completely change uh, where yeah. everything comes from in those in, in the content of those meetings. Yeah, right. that's a brilliant idea. Because she was telling us, she was saying, okay, best thing for a spiritual leader to do, be quiet. Yep, that's right. You know, that's and right. so we were sort of reflecting on like, how are we quiet and how are we not? You yeah. know, and. Yeah. I think sometimes for me, even when I think I'm quiet, I know there's still so much noise, right? Mm. The screen, whether it's a phone or a computer. Or, right, emails uh, and text messages. You know, messages. like that's not quiet, even no. though I'm not technically hearing noise, you know. And so um, it was a really, it was a gift to be together and, of course, hear that, hear those stories and, and reflect on that. So Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes we talk about silence and quiet and, and it, it you know, it gets reduced to something that, you know, I think more in terms of stillness. Mm. And stillness can look a, ver a variety of mm -hmm. ways, but that's a more robust way of kind of looking right. at it. I think that's that stillness. Um, sometimes you can be quiet and be really noisy inside. Right. So giving your space the yourself the space to get still in whatever way that looks. I mean, for a period of my life, running was part of stillness mm. for me. Um, you know, which just seems paradoxical, but it but it it did the trick. You know that my driving can sometimes be that, mm -hmm. uh, particularly if I'm driving in a place that you know where there's lots of natural beauty around, and you know I'm kind of off the beaten path. Um, that opens me to the spirit in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that I, that I love that. I love that getting the meetings and having them outdoor. You know, I, I keep working on you about that. We're gonna you do. We're we're gonna. <laughs> When the weather's better, things like that, you know. When my when, time frees up a little bit. When your time I, frees I was up. I actually about to go there. Yeah. Where, I mean, we talked, you mentioned parenthood earlier and partnership, um, which are both 
you know, things that you and I share in common. Yeah. I'm, of course, the parent of young children, um, have a five-month-old and four-year-old. And, of course, you have an adolescent and a teenager, as you mm. said. Wow. And, um, I'm not that old. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> um, but um, I'm, I'm curious, uh, what do you think is one of the most important things that the contemplative life offers parenting? Hmm. Well, that's a good, that's a really good question. Um, what's the contemplative life offer parenting? Well, you know, I, I guess it's, it's what the contemplative life hopefully does in general, which is, is helps us to pay attention, especially mm. to pay attention to what is real. You know, one of the one of the ways that the contemplative life is described is as a, a long, loving look at the real. Mm. Um, and so that that sense of being present, um, I think, for parenting, um, being attentive being a, and being present, being a presence uh, for your children is important. Mm -hmm. It's really important and something that... that uh, you know, that young people, well, we all need. We all need those who are present to us. Mm -hmm. um, I think for us, uh, for Becky and I, one of the kind of key factors is we want our boys to be who they are, mm -hmm. not who we want them to be, not who someone else wants them to be. Um, and so we've always reinforced the message of no one gets to tell you who you are. That's your choice. That's you to figure out. And um, and I think they're both doing that. I think they're both doing that. And that, that's part of the, the joy right now is kind of yeah. watching them come into their own and, and be full of themselves. And that can be challenging because there's so many messages. Um, and, and, you know, bullying and just, you know, all the stuff that goes on. Right. But um, I don't know. We, th that wisdom came to us in whatever ways and uh, and we've been able to at least offer that I feel like we've yeah. done that well <laughs> so, so I picked up Wade from and Liv uh, Wade is our four-year-old lives mm -hmm. our, our five-month-old from school and um, I try to get there but I'm, I'm breastfeeding so that's also why I kind of yeah. time and when you're like right. hey let's go hike I'm right. like my time is very <laughs> consolidated <laughs> you know, right now because I'm being very much on a schedule. Yeah, and, the logistics um, aren't good for right, it right now. Right, But yeah. um, so I try to show up and uh, feed live at the end of the day, and then I go by the four-year-old classroom and get weighed, and then we, uh, you know, I, I say this jokingly, but it's actual. It's as much stuff that comes with all of us. Like when I pack the car in the morning and when I unload it <laughs> at night, it's like I'm unpacking from like our trip. <laughs> to Texas because right. my family lives there. And so I'm like, okay. So anyway, I get us all in the car and Wade says, I mean, I get him buckled in. I get live. I get this, you know, carrier stroller thing folded up, put in the back and start the car. I'm putting in, you know, to see the quickest way home and the map. And Wade says, mommy, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I look at him and I go, uh -huh. really? Really? Like you really have to? And he's like, I really have to. And I'm like, can you hold it? I mean, I'm trying yeah, every yeah. way, right, to just kind of get. I'm like, oh, because um, it's not. It's not like I can leave live in the car. No, you know, <laughs> to go back in. 
Start and he back says, over. He goes, I can maybe hold it for a minute. Aww. And I was like, okay, sweetie. So so I go, anyway, so I get her in the heavy carrier, and I'm <laughs> lugging her back in, walking back in with him so he can go before we get home. Because it's a 25, 30-minute drive, you know, home in traffic or whatever. So... So everybody sees us come back in, and several people are like, didn't y'all just leave? I said, yeah, we got to go to the bathroom. And they just kind of look at me, and I go, we're digging deep. <laughs> we're digging deep. And I said it a few times. So we get back in the car, settle. Okay, we're on our way. And Wade from the back goes, Mommy, what does digging deep mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah, four-year-olds, man. it was wonderful, you yeah. know? And I thought, and I said, well, I said, you know when you're really frustrated with Mommy? And you have to work really hard to, like, be nice to me or be patient with me or kind mm, to me. I said, mm. that's what digging deep means. So I was having to work really hard earlier um, to be patient because I wanted to just get in the car and go and get home and get on with, you know, all the things that need to happen when we get home. And I said, so I was digging deep. And he was, I said, does that make any sense? And he, he kind of nodded, yeah. you know, and kind of went on. And we just let it marinate. Um, but anyway, just that I, it's <laughs> such for me, like parenting is, it's that like constant invitation to just be here mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Go to the bathroom, <laughs> gotta <Right>. eat, <laughs> gotta, you know, and, and I think we can get into that like total kind of, you know, uh, almost robotic uh -huh. kind of sense of just going through it, going through it. And so in some ways, I was like, this is a gift today, you know? Yeah. Um, I didn't just get to be the robot that put the key in the car and went, you know, we right. had a, a minor interruption, and um, that actually ended up being a great thing because Wade and I got to have that conversation. Right, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, were, <laughs> you were engaging the contemplative life, and you were passing it on to Wade in a right. sense. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've, I've always admired, I mean... Wade is a very emotionally intelligent young man, and yeah. uh, and and I think a lot of that goes to you and Adam, and um, yeah. so so yeah, yeah. There's a tell me that the, there's a, there's a great story you told me not long ago about um, tears. Oh yeah. That I just think it's mm. it's such a beautiful story. Yeah. So um, this is actually, I mean, give credit to my husband Adam, um, who's bless him doing his own work to yeah. continually be emotionally aware and and um he is hope? he is yeah um he's a very natural contemplative um it comes you know I, I don't know that it's always come naturally to me but with Adam it's like he's just that hmm. personality type where he'll read a poem and he remembers it yeah like he didn't have to work to memorize it you know right. <laughs> or like where I I work to yeah. memorize it and weave its way into a sermon or, you know, it's just a different posture in the world, um, uh -huh. as we all are. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Wade was going to dragon camp, um, and he, at the, that sounds at the yeah, at the National <laughs> Children's Theater. And anyway, um, you know, he's four, four and a half and, um, he's an observant kid, but kind of keeps to himself. And I mean, he walks in and there's 55 kids mm. at this camp he doesn't know any of them yeah um and yeah. i mean you know and adam are like that's a lot for us yeah right and we're you know 38 and 37 i mean you know like right. we've lived quite a bit of life we have quite a bit of life on wade but um so 
anyway, Wade just apparently started, Adam was with him. I was home with Liv, but Wade got big tears in his eyes um, and just looked up at Adam like with these huge eyes, like, holy moly, like, what am I, how am I going to do this? And um, then Adam just looked at him and said, you can do this. Mm -hmm. I believe in you. Hmm. And crying is part of being brave. Yeah. And Wade said, okay. And so they, they got him settled with the teacher. She was wonderful and engaging and all that. And um, I think Adam walked out and had a few tears. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, just kind of like that. And then we showed up um, for the graduate. So he's there for, I don't know, about four hours or so. You know, we show up for the graduation. And Wade runs up to me and he says, Mommy. I cried and I was brave. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, yes. It like, is, it's, absolutely. Yeah. And um, that we have this wonderful book um, that's called A Boy Like Me, and it's sort of expanding the idea of a what a boy boyhood, is. Boyhood, yeah. And um, one of the lines is, um, hey, do you want to know a secret about bravery? You have to first be afraid. Yeah. Before you can be brave. Yeah. Like they go yeah. together. Yeah. And so I think just all of that is such a gift uh, that Wade offers us. I mean, he's the teacher here, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, it's yeah. it's mutual, right? It's right. reciprocal. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, that's such a beautiful story. I love that. You know, yeah, you've I've often heard you say our children are our best teachers, and mm. and I think that's right. I've I've always said that. Um, I mean, relationships in general. Um, but you know, the parenting relationship, the partner relationship, you know, the married life, what have you, um, those are, you know, very intense relationships. Those are the places where we work out our relationship with God. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's, that's where it happens. That's it. That's where the transformation happens. I mean, that's where formation is most going on. And so, you know, I think about parenting in terms of formation. You know, what are the tenets, you know, you know, so freedom, you know, we have to be free to, um, to be formed, to choose our path, you know, to, it it can't be forced, formation can't be forced on us. You know, that's one of the things we talk about in the academy, you know, it's, you know, freedom and invitation are, are core pieces. Um, You can't, you can't make people be something they're not. Um, or do the work that they're not ready to do. Um, and there's the, you know, the structure and the guidance that, you know, the container that that allows that freedom and invitation to um, unfold right. um, in to ways grow. that, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, the contemplative life and kind of, parenting you know those lessons have transferred yeah and just thinking in terms of you know you're talking what you're talking about with way there is is teaching emotional intelligence and i think uh in this day and age in particular raising young men um emotional intelligence you know uh is important you know teaching boys that that have that have that capacity is really, really important. Yeah. Right. Well, so. Yeah. 
a gift and a grace and a challenge, <laughs> and a challenge all at once. All, all together. <laughs> it's work. Uh, <clears throat> absolutely. So uh, I mentioned I was at Academy, uh, my two-year Academy last week, um, and you were also traveling at, and visiting different uh, five mm. days. And uh, speaking of kind of our specific place right now with the academy um, we continue we got a lot of questions of like mm. what's going to happen to the academy after general conference 2020 for those who aren't united methodist um that is of course when sort of the separation of the denomination might happen and, and will be voted on and uh, the academy is a part of the upper room which is of course you know has an interesting relationship with the united methodist church we're connected mm. um but we don't receive money from them and all of that. So I'm curious, like, how do you answer that question about the academy when when people are asking it? It seems to be a pretty live yeah. question for yeah. folks. Yeah, I, I got it. I was at two different five-day academies last week and got that question from multiple people. And, you know, the, the, the short and honest answer is I don't know. I mean, none of us know for sure. Um, what will happen in May and what, you know, how, how that's all going to play out. So the General Conference is a, you know, United Methodist legislative body. It's kind of where the decisions are made. Um, and some people don't realize that the upper room and therefore the academy are actually owned by a general agency, the United Methodist Church. We're kind of a subsidiary mm. of the general agency. Um, so there's a direct tie. At the same time, we are self-sustaining um and like you said, don't receive money. So there are layers there uh, that are complicated. Um, um, but, and so we don't know how that will all play out because we don't know what the decisions are going to be. Yet. Right. Um, we can we can guess all day long at the different directions things are going to do. And of course we look at that and we pay attention um, and we've we've done our work. We've done our work. That's what I've told people is, look, the Academy and, you know, has been doing our work to prepare for, for different eventualities um, so that we can respond faithfully mm. with whatever comes because, we can, you know, we can't predict exactly what will happen. And um, so, you know, the work we do at Academy is, you know, so much of it is helping us to live into a trust relationship mm. with, you know, with the divine, with the holy. Um, and so there's a certain element of putting that into practice as we look toward the future here. Um, and so, you know, I don't think of that in a naive way that, oh, well, everything will work out and, you know, Pollyanna, it'll all be fine. Well, no, we've, we've, we've done our work, you know, we've, we've, we've brought leaders around us, we've, We've done things to kind of prepare ourselves to put ourselves in the best position to move forward, whatever happens. Right. Um, and I'm confident, and this is something, you know, I've told people, I'm confident that the academy will continue. Right. Um, we haven't changed what we're doing. Um, we're not like holding off on things, you know. We're right in the middle of, you know, preparing for the next two-year academy. Um, we're working on the contracts with the retreat center for Academy 43 that'll start in 2021 and go through 2023. I mean, we're 
we're making plans into the future, kind of continuing Engaging on. leaders. You know. Yeah, uh, an important conversation. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, all of that's there, and 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 I think, you know, we're being faithful and um and 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 trusting, and this the work that we do in the academy that we, you know that that gives us the capacity to be able to move through this with less anxiety. Right. You know, I mean, we will, that's what we ultimately want to model is mm-hmm. is kind of being the non-anxious presence, yeah. and I, and I think I think we're. I think we're living that pretty well. Yes, we have anxious days. We have, you know, it's easy to get caught in that. But, but I think overall, right. we're doing that. You know, and another thing that I tell people that's just very honest is whatever happens, um, financial sustainability is always a question for the academy. Yeah. Um, you know, the the academy has been around for thirty what seven years almost now, yeah. um, and throughout that entire history. The upper room has subsidized this ministry and made it possible. Well, that's not going to be able to last forever, regardless of what happens with the broader United Methodist Church. So we've been really working toward financial sustainability, seeking folks who want to partner with us. Um, you know, we need the community to to join us mm. in in ensuring that this continues, um, if it needs to continue. Right. You know, and that's always part of that trust relationship. Everything has its life cycle. So, right. um, my personal opinion and discernment is: I think the academy needs to continue on for a good long while. It's it's pretty important for the, mm-hmm. where we're at right now. But um, we're gonna need we're gonna need people to to step up and join us in that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I just, you know, continue to ask myself, as I said earlier. How am I? How am I getting quiet? How am I being still? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot, you know. I was even thinking. I mean, before you went on sabbatical and before I went on maternity leave, yeah. we were practicing pretty regular, regularly, contemplative or centering prayer together. Right. And um, I was thinking about that this morning. I'm I did like, too. <laughs> Look yes. at that. I love it. Spirit. Um, you know, but just kind of going. Okay, is there? You know, at least one day a week where yeah. you and Donna. Um, and I can, can get together, yeah. uh, and, and, and revive that, uh, yeah. because there's just this beauty and being held Yeah. that, that I think getting into we the can silence, continue to offer each other and, and offer then the Academy community and the church and the world. And right. so I want to kind of, um, steer us, uh, just in these last moments together, um, toward this book that you gave me, The Tao mm. of Leadership. Um, you gave this to me as a gift upon my return mm-hmm. from maternity leave. Uh, and um, I just would love for you to say a little bit more about why you gifted it to <laughs> me um, and how it's kind of shaping your life and work mm. as a spiritual mm. leader. And, um, you know, I have, I've earmarked a couple yeah, of, of, of things that, see. that we might um we might read here together and it looks might, like mine you, yeah you <laughs> know, awesome. um made some notes and and looked at some things but um but yeah first say just just why the Tao of leadership why why that gift uh well you know uh, that's that's good um <laughs> I, I guess I've I've used that book in different ways uh, over the years with leadership teams, like excerpts from it. Okay. 
because there's great little vignettes in there that that just kind of speak to the the way of academy leadership. It, it gives good articulation, and so I've used it as a reflection piece with different teams and recommend it to you know um, to leadership teams for for the reading. Um, but I had never actually read it all the way through my myself. Um, so, um, and I guess maybe the way that I connected to the Tao uh, in, in particular was through Thomas Merton. So I kind of think of Thomas Merton as a spiritual grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, Merton did a translation of uh, the way of Chong Tzu. Um, that he did. Merton, in his, especially in his later life, was very, very interested in the mystics and the contemplative life in the East and did not see incompatibility between many of the Eastern traditions and Christianity. He mm-hmm. felt like he could be a simultaneously a good Buddhist and a good Christian. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, I had, uh, over the summer, I, I picked up and read The Way of Chong Tzu. And um, that reminded me of the Tao of Leadership. And so um, what I love about the Tao of Leadership is there are these one page, you know, John Hyder, who, who, who put this together. You know, it's kind of it's more contemporary kind of translation of Tao's teachings. And, um, and there are these one page vignettes and there's what, like 81 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it became a daily practice for me. So every day. Uh, would, um, as my kind of devotion, I would read an excerpt from The Way of Chong Su, and I'd read two or three from the Tao of Leadership and just use those as kind of meditation and, and practice. And it was, it was, um, it was very centering. Uh, there's so much in there about non-dualism, um, about non-attachment, um, about getting still, um, about not reacting to things, but being present. Um, so that you know, it just it's it's so fitting for the academy and the ways that we lead, um, the kind of leadership we hope to cultivate. Um, and and it you know, so I was journeying with it and and felt you know felt very live for me, particularly in the anxious times in which we are living and things are kind of in uncertain spaces and it and it's it helps and so you know i know you you are in your own transition and um we're going to be coming back uh into into the office and um you know there's lots of anxiety kind of in the air and so you know thought well that that's a good gift uh, for Claire to kind of as a as, as part of your reentry and uh, also yeah. know you know you love poetry and yeah. and uh, things like that and I just you know there were several times when I would be reading something and I would think well I want to share this with Claire I want to share this with Claire I mean that's that's what we do yeah. um, and so I thought well, I'm just gonna buy it and I'm gonna give it to her for you know for as a gift for coming back from maternity leave I'm glad yeah. to see that you're getting something out of it oh I am it, I mean so there's you know, number 22 and 23, hmm. um, the paradox of letting go is number 22. <laughs> and then right after it, number 23 is be still. And yes, uh, I have found that I can hang out with these or, I mean, just one of these for weeks on end. Mm. Um, but I did want to read uh, this, the paradox of letting go and just kind of let it hang with us. Yeah. Um, 
before I just kind of ask my final question and um, as we kind of close up here uh, for the time being, but here's what it says. When I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. When I let go of what I have, I receive what I need. These are feminine or yin paradoxes. By yielding, I endure. The empty space is filled. When I give of myself, I become more. When I feel most destroyed, I am about to grow. When I desire nothing, a great deal comes to me. And then he goes on, and then the last two lines are, this is the wisdom of the feminine. Let go in order to achieve. The wise leader demonstrates this. Yeah. I don't love that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and my soul loves it. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's this, this resonance deep within that says this is real. This is true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This this is the wisdom that's deeper, you know, goes a lot deeper than what on the surface I really want right. to hang on to, you know. Right. Um so again, that's why I I'm so grateful that that you gifted this and that we get to read it individually but also together. Uh-huh. Um so that we can just kind of have a partner to to hang out with some of this stuff uh-huh. because sometimes doing it on <laughs> on our own is, is more daunting, you know. Very so, much. Um, so that's also part of the academy is this beautiful communal piece, yeah. you know, of, of, hey, this is some deep stuff and, and some deep uh, terrain. And so yeah. having companions is yeah. important. So Companionship is, is, yeah. is huge. I mean, I always talk about the academy style of leadership being a team-based yeah. model of leadership, and that's right. one of the things that makes it somewhat unique. Um, because we have to have companions on this journey. You know, one of the features of, of this Taoist stuff is paradox, you know. Mm. And so that's what you're, I think, giving some, and it's then the title of the piece, you know, the paradox of letting go. Right. Um, and, and in this day and age, particularly, you know, being able to hang out with paradox yeah. is vital um, and it's not easy, you know. We like have that resonance. Um, because yeah, I need that and good grief, letting go is hard. Hmm. Um, so thank God we don't have to do it alone. (laughs) My last question was going to be, so what's on the horizon for the Academy? Mm. Um, and sort of why the Academy and why now, um, wonder if we have the best for the big ones for last, but I wonder, I wonder if we haven't answered that. Um, yeah having companions to help us let go yeah. i mean that seems pretty pretty important yeah. um but yeah i mean and i i you know i'm asking this question knowing some of the answer but i just wonder um you know in a word a phrase kind of um what's on the horizon does it have to be just a word or a phrase well <laughs> you know, we're kind of short on time here okay? we don't have all day no. <laughs> um uh um, I mean, on the horizon, uh, I, you know, we've got we, a 
Well, I just spent some time last week with uh, some folks from South America who came to one of the five days because they're interested both in, in Colombia and in Ecuador in bringing the academy back into their context. And so we continue to get those kinds of um, interests from from places outside the U.S. where folks are are seeing what we've you know what this is and, and wanting to bring it into their context. So um, I think that's going to continue to be part of our horizon and think you know these these developing opportunities and um, going and doing that international work. Um, we just you know spent the last couple of years developing a mentoring network. Um, so I think I feel like we're kind of making a pivot in the history of academy toward how can we do more to empower the community mm -hmm. that has journeyed you know has engaged this how do we equip folks to to really embody this and continue living this out and model this in the broader culture and so we've you know we did a training um, a formational retreat with a group of, of leaders um, to equip them to go and work with other leadership teams um, to help folks kind of really get more of a sense, particularly those who are leading five-day and three-day academies and things, help them get a deeper sense of what this is really about. You know, when you come as a participant, you kind of view it one way. When you're when you're offering this, you know, in leadership, you have to have some more intentionality about what you're doing and why and kind of what's what's really going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we've done a lot to articulate like our, our values, our core values, and our mission and our vision. Um, to help people understand the teachers that are at work in the academy. Um, and so uh, kind of how, how are we handing this out over mm -hmm. to others? How are we you know, kind of moving into a teaching mode? Um, and, and so we've had about a year of that beginning to take shape, and it's really lovely to see um, yeah. to see that unfolding. And, and we'll continue working with that. That's exciting. Um, we have, of course, the bilingual two-year academy right. in Spanish and English coming up. Begins in San Antonio at the uh, beginning of our August tenth, uh, yeah. twenty twenty. Look yeah. on our website for more information. There you go. Good <laughs> we, job. <laughs> we want you there. Um, but I mean, that's kind of on the immediate horizon. That's, that's um, the next two year. And... That also lives into our vision of being a part of the multicultural, you know, church of the twenty first century mm -hmm. and. Um, how how we do that and do that well, and then um, thinking about just the work that you and I are trying to do, kind of personally as leaders mm -hmm. in the realm of racial equity mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. as white people, uh, right. white leaders, um, really trying to listen, <laughs> yeah, um, and and learn from that listening, yeah, uh, as we lead. Yeah. in this in this particular time and place so yeah that's that's been a that's been a big piece for the last uh, few years and a major feature of that mentoring right. training so you know we're trying to make sure that teams are engaging and looking at things like white privilege and yeah. you know um, inclusion in, in all of these forms um, you know not just race yeah. but all of the different ways in which we are making space for the whole human being yeah. um, whatever ways it comes uh, and that's important for us. Uh, so, and that will be ongoing work. I mean, that's 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 this that's where it's at. Why now? Why the academy? I think um, 
there is so much. I was talking to Catherine Damian on the phone yesterday, and she gave me the term atmospheric stress. <laughs> something she's come across right recently. Mm. There's so much atmospheric stress. We are collectively clenched yeah. right now um, and have been for a while. And you know what happens to a muscle when it stays clenched for too long? It locks. Yep. It cramps. And then, you know, it takes intervention to get it to unlock. Um, so we're in this reactive, tight mode as a, as a, as a people of faith you know, as institutional church, as a broader society. And we're better than that. We are better than that. Yeah. We are better than that as Christians than what we're showing the world right now. We are better than that as people of God, as people of faith. And I think it is vital that we have places where people can step back can unclench, can practice some different kinds, develop some different kinds of muscle memory than the reactivity that we see around us everywhere, to where we can approach one another as fellow human beings, where we can disagree um, in ways that still honor the human that is before us, mm-hmm. um, where we can see the whole person. We don't just reduce people to their position, their vote, or what have you, um, we've got to have those places. We've got to have the places where that is being intentionally cultivated. And the academy's doing that. And we, I mean, we see it. We see it when we show up at academies. We're getting people to show up because I think they're longing for that deep wisdom, that grounding, that space, that place to get still. Um, you know, so we're getting it, and, and we see it. You know, they're bringing it with them. That tension is there. It shows up in the communities, but at least in, the, in, in an academy space or spaces like it, there is room to wrestle with it, to grieve with it, to lament, um, you know, to, to be uncomfortable, yeah. but be held in the discomfort long enough that we can see that there's another way to 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 live into the world that we're we're living in and um be our better angels be our better selves um and that's what we need i think of it as as places to soften yes perfect yes places to soften very good and i yeah the academy is one of those places Mm -hmm. and i'm grateful for it yeah so I'm also grateful that we got to do this today. Yeah, this was fun. Uh, it was a bit of a punt and pivot um, <laughs> on our production uh, schedule, but it's been such a joy and a gift as always. And oh, yeah. as uh, I say in the introduction, I mean, you and I are more than colleagues. Mm-hmm. We are soul siblings. And um, what a gift it is to get to have these conversations off air <laughs> as well as on. Right. And, um and also just a deep gratitude for the community of the academy yeah. that really kind of allows us to have a job. <laughs> so yes. uh, the fact that uh, there's this resilience of people who continue to show up and, and pray the hours and, and hold that space that, yeah. that um, allow us to, to get to, to do this. So back to that companionship. Yeah. Yeah. Deep, deeply grateful. Yeah. Um, we at 
Academy 41 in Alabama uh, sing uh, Ruth Duck's um, Prayers of the People. Hmm. And the chorus of that is, um, I'm probably going to have to sing it to remember what it says. But, Go ahead. Um, <laughs> you have a lovely voice, so do it. <laughs> Holy healer, your people call your name. Send your spirit, hear our prayer. Holy healer, your people call your name. Send your spirit, hear our prayer. Hmm. So may the holy healer hear our prayers our hopes, our dreams, our desires, our challenges, our despairs. Holy healer, hear our prayer. Thanks for listening along with us today. We recognize that having a podcast is one thing and having folks listen and engage with it is entirely another. So we're grateful you're here, you're listening, you're journeying, you're engaging. The Academy and all of its offerings exist because of you. Feel free to share this podcast with others and may it be a balm, a prayer, a guide, an inspiration, a beacon of hope in your daily lives. To hear more from faculty and wisdom guides in the area of spiritual formation, join us at the next five-day or two-year academy. For more information, visit academy.upperroom.org. Thank you.